Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your professional life or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is an innovative problem solver who has been practicing at the forefront of digital produ product development for 25 years. A few years after graduating Stanford with a bachelor degree in literature, she took a bit of a departure. She had an epiphany that she was a designer at heart and pursued a master's degree in that discipline. While working for St. June Medical, she realized that she loved working on meaningful problems in the health domain, and she's tried to carry that forward ever since in subsequent roles leading product efforts in-house and, since 2007, has been pursuing her passion at the helm of her own firm, Devise Consulting. More recently, she has taken her passion for helping make the world a better place with compassion and empathy and is writing a book on how to sustain our souls at work, which I will absolutely be buying because we could all use a little more of that. In her downtime, our guest enjoys writing poetry, drawing, driving cars as fast as possible, riding mo motorcycles through forests and mountains, which kind of is counter to the whole poetry drawing kind of thing. Um, drumming, and I have heard her play, and she sounds amazing, and enjoying good times with beloved family and friends. And joining us from Portland, Oregon, welcome Liz Bacon. Thank you, Kathy. It's so strange to hear your own biography, but I'm delighted to be here. Yeah. So got to ask, any relationship to the Kevin Bacon? Seven degrees. Excellent. That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm, My I'm grandmother gonna... was... Yeah, she was into the genealogy, and she said that all the Bacons are related. So um, so I have met a few in the wild, but not Kevin. All right. Well, if you ever actually, you know, do cross paths, by all means, pass him my number, because him and Kara Sidrick, oh, my gosh, I'm obsessed. Aren't they wonderful? Their Instagram, yes. his Instagram yeah. is fantastic. Anyways, we digress. Adorable. I am so sorry. So mm -hmm. you talk that's about, you know, it's odd hearing your own bio, but that was really the highlights. I mean, that's the highlight reel. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about what you're doing these days. So indeed, somewhere between a straight line and a zigzag, lots of swirls, lots of iterations, just like the design process to my career. And in point of fact, the uh, device consulting that I'm leading today was started in 2007, but I've actually gone in and out of that uh, uh, recruited to in-house roles. I had a stint in Australia leading product at Qantas in the midst of some of these things. So uh, I'm really just back to it as of the summer. And that's when I got this crazy idea to write a book. And I'd resisted it for 20 plus years, too busy practicing, but I was finally overcome by a need to write some, write some of this stuff down. And that's been a, a really exciting journey that's occupying most of my mind and heart these days. I love hearing when people decide, okay, I cannot ignore the voice any longer. Mm -hmm. I, it is time to do this idea. So we'll, we'll absolutely dig into that. But let's start with those first four questions, if you're ready. Absolutely. So what was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? You know, I remember wondering what I was going to do when I grew up and being jealous of the people who were ballerinas or, you know, on track to be the Olympic swimming star. And I was like, because they had this clear path to, to their skills, leading them to a career. And I always felt like I could do this. I could do that. I don't know what I want to do, who I want to be. Um, I think the one, this is weird, but the one thing that I had a vision of at some point, probably in high school, 
or a little earlier maybe was I was going to live in a loft above my shop in a city and the shop in the city was going to refurbish furniture and just be like a cool little hip design shop. Okay. <laughs> it's still possible. Absolutely. It's actually still kind of appealing, but that was like the one thing. And, and so otherwise, you know, I wandered off to college, still didn't figure it out for years and yeah. But you got, you did get there. You had the epiphany, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And the whole, what I didn't read in my researching of you was that you have a passion or a hobby of refurbishing furniture. Is that something that is maybe latent and simmering and will surface later or? Not really. I did a fair bit of that in high school. Okay. I refurbished um, this like cherry wood set that my parents had gotten, um, all these different parts. Uh, refurbished a neat little like uh, vanity table that was also in my room. But I haven't done much of that <laughs> the last 10 years. <laughs> so, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. What's the first big influencer in your life? That has to be my dad. Um, really fortunate. You know, you don't get to choose your parents. And I had two wonderful parents. My dad's not with us. My mom's still here. And um, she's, she's inspiring, too. But it, it's my dad's way of being that imprinted on me. And I continue to feel that I was so fortunate to get his personality and his way of being um, in my childhood. So some of the things for him, he, he was very content. There was a lack of ambition in him that I think is so remarkable, right? We're all striving and trying to do this and want to be something else. And he was just happy with where he was uh, in his family with, you know, my brother and I and my mom. And I don't know if it was related to the fact he lived with chronic illness for most of his adult life, but there was this settledness in him. So one of the things he said to me quite early and, you know, some grumpy point in my childhood, he said, you know, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. And it's things like that, like, oh, right, there's this fundamental balance to our moods and we can choose to smile. It's actually easier to smile than to frown. So he, he also, another one of his lines was moderation in all things, including moderation. So um, <laughs> I certainly didn't, didn't appreciate moderation for a long time, but as a, as a grown up, like, gosh, there's wisdom there, you know? The, it takes more muscles to frown than smile is, is a great thing because it makes you question, okay, why am I frowning when, you know, things are yeah. probably not as bad as they seem. But I love the moderation always, even in moderation. <laughs> Exactly. Giving just, you permission to, just, to, to not be moderate sometimes. That's right. I just like, like for, so, so as an influencer, it's, it's in that sort of acceptance in that, um, looking at what we have right now and where we are right now and finding contentment in that. Um, and it, it wasn't so clear as that, right. Growing up as an influencer, but but in, in re-encountering him and having my own experiences and then really seeing like his life philosophy, just, yeah, just a remarkable gift. That's great. Is there a song that epitomizes your career path or maybe one that you're sort of associating with right now, really getting into? This is such a great question. And I, I love the variety of responses you get to it, of course. And then you're like discovering new music. Okay. So I listen to music all the time. I'm in Spotify top 1%, right? I have music running, yeah, I listen to music constantly. And so, you know, they evolve and they adapt and, and I get new songs to come across all the time. So 
I knew this question was coming, so fair, you know, fair. And I went, dang, I'm like, oh my goodness, because I'm one of those people who has trouble with what's your favorite X and favorite this, right? They're contextual, they're, you know, they're transitory typically. So I went looking through my liked songs list on Spotify, and I was looking for a good title, right? You know, it's going to like be the singing title. So I landed on this. It's an obscure instrumental song by a band called Dirtwire, and the title is Sailing the Solar Flares. <sighs> right? So like an abstract painting, all the meaning is in the title and then the feeling of the song. And I, I think it just really epitomizes the theme of your podcast and what I see across you know my career, my life is the solar flare you cannot anticipate, you know, shoots up and you're just going to surf that. Okay, now what do I do? And, and then turning it into something beautiful, right? Not, not just surviving and it's, it's a, you know, crash in progress, but you're sailing this, you're sailing these solar winds and flares. And uh, so the song has just this wonderful feeling. It's almost contemplative. Um, and the band describes this music as swamp tronica. So I have never heard of yeah. that before. Swamp Tronica. No, no, I'm going to have to look at that up. Yeah, it's a bizarre mix of electronic and natural sounds and kind of funky. And yeah, so. Well, alrighty then. Well, one of the things I love about all of my conversations is the new things I learn. And I have now learned two new things. One, never heard of Dirt, dirt Wire before. Definitely going to check them out. And then Swamp Tronica, which yeah. I'm not sure I'd want to lean into that personally, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was one of many, many monikers. They're like, I don't know how you describe what we do, but here you go. I, that, it, well, good on them for coining something new, right? Yep. Are there three words? What are the three words that you would use to describe you and your career? Inventive. I think that's core to my nature. Um, passionate. Very, very engaged in what I do. And career, Meaningful. Seeking, seeking to, to find meaningful uh, problems to solve and solutions to develop. That is uh, definitely in the, in the research and whatnot. Um, those are absolutely applicable. As I was you know, reading through, you seem some of the, the, the stuff you've done and, and the writing and whatnot. And of course, your Instagram uh, with your drumming, again, learned a lot. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely see the, the passion and your inventiveness yeah. to the approach that you've taken, especially at, at the consultancy and whatnot. So right what has your professional journey been like? What's it looked like? Because again, you've, you've done this vacillation between um, in-house and doing your own thing. Even when you have your own thing, you've done the in-house to the own thing, which is not typical. So how did, you know, mm -hmm. how did you get to where you are today? Well, like the song title alludes, there's been rolling with the punches, um, but following my curiosity and following my heart, and I'd say the last 20 years, and especially the last 10, 12, have been really trying to get more in touch with my heart and the messages from the body and the wisdom in my gut and those those sort of insights that, that are the, the truth for my, you know, the right truth for myself. Um, versus some of the early decision-making was often head-oriented, right? An intellectual justification of this and that. But, you know, even the epiphany to become a designer is, is actually representative of a blend of the two things. And the way that that happened, so, you know, 
a degree in English and French literature and kicking around San Francisco. I was working as an office manager. I was writing poetry and having a lot of fun. And But it was not a career. I had not found my calling. I didn't really want to go into academia, da, 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 da. Things, I, things I knew I didn't want to do. But what did I want to do? So I sat down and made this, this list of all these possible professions and then my values and what I cared about. And I scored all these different <laughs> possible careers on these different levels. And where I had been was this idea that I was either going to go maybe do a philosophy PhD, right? The super analytical, heady type of path, or go to art school, this creative, freewheeling, who knows what <laughs> kind of uh, exploration. And so these two parts of myself, the analytical and the creative, were sitting there as like these two, but neither, I couldn't pull the trigger on either one. And it was like the skies parted, lightning flash, like I had those, that moment when I saw the design field as this true blend of the analytical and the creative, and that this was the path that brought these disparate parts of myself together. And from there it was, well, how do I get into a design school? How do I get into the design career? Um, and school seemed like a good choice. So that, that you, know, you know, so this analytical look at it, but then what made my heart sing? What just lit me up and, and made itself clear? And so at, across my career, there have been these points where I go in this direction and maybe hit an obstacle, uh, get laid off for my first product manager role. Like when I took um, that move from design into product management, got laid off after six months because of a dumb reorg and, a, you know, and the executive didn't know me and they, they you know, let go of the most recently hired person. And I go, hmm. Well, the universe doesn't want me to be employed. That's it. I'm going to start a disruptive health tech company that's going to transform our healthcare system. Oh, and that's the same month that the universe downloaded a novel to my brain that I've nurtured for 12 years till I finally got the juice to like write that novel. So it's, I, I, you just don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen or where it's going to go, but you have to listen to your heart and follow your passions uh, insofar as the you know, world supports that and gives you some income to go with it and this and that but mm -hmm. so amazing I mean so many people when faced with adversity and I relate same thing my first quote-unquote real job and uh gotta say not crushed when I got fired <laughs> it was a soul-sucking job so it was like yeah now what am I gonna do right, right. Uh, so when was there a defining moment a decision you know you, you talk about getting getting laid off and then now what do I do but something that really triggered the okay I'm gonna start a company was there was there something that was the the pivot for that the pivot point that changed the trajectory of your career yeah the first company that I started devised which I'm back to today was um was a result of getting laid off from St. Jude Medical. I was one of the only remote employees of a 10,000 person organization. Again, a new executive arrives and says, what's this weird blip on my org chart? And <laughs> snipped me off and I just had a baby. So oh. it, was, it was nutty. It was funny times, but um, it, it was that, that you know challenge. I, I sat down with my then husband. I said, what are we gonna do? He said, well, we've been you know, you're a designer, I'm a developer, maybe we could start a company together and do our own thing. And I'd been sort of, I'd floated the idea. And so here he was reflecting it back to me. And I had this partner, and it felt like something that we could try. And 
so I think in a lot of ways, when we're in those moments, it depends on the support system that we have and the team that's around us to maybe give us that, that extra bit of courage or that you know, knowledge that we're going to have a support um, if, it, if it does go sideways. So I have to credit being in that situation at that moment to found Devise uh, you know, with my then husband. And I actually converted St. June Medical to my first client because that executive did not realize I was central to multiple product development efforts. Nice. <laughs> I desperately needed what I was doing. So I ended up having a, my first client for 15 months without any effort at all. Um, oh, well, I mean, the effort of dialing up a consulting agreement where they had an employee. But um, I don't know. It's just, it's like, it is having that perspective. One door closes, another door is going to open, right? That the universe has your back and the things that are happening, even if they're horrible losses or they feel like these, you know, unpleasant blows, there is a silver lining. There's, there's meaning in each of those experiences if we can find it and leverage that to, to what's next. Couldn't agree with you more. And that silver lining is often difficult to find depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in your situation where you're, you're leading with passion and compassion, being able to turn that around for ourselves, which we often have a hard time doing, helps us mm -hmm. see that silver lining. So absolutely sounds like you lean into that, which is amazing. So what's your current role like? I mean, you've, are, are, you, is, is your, are your days now totally consumed with your book? Are you finding, are you writing that after your day job? And now that you've had Devise for going on almost 20 years, where you're past the 25-year mark, what are some of the challenges and maybe compromises you're seeing now versus when you first started it? Yeah, so, so running Devise is a combination of business development, looking for consulting or fractional roles, which is the new hotness for uh, executives. Uh, it's consulting in a leadership role, um, but embedded with the team. So this fractional business, I'm happy to get a fractional engagement. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing a fair bit of business development, which is networking, and also then in today's you know social media content driven environment expressing my thought leadership through you know through public posts and my substack and things like that and it was in the mix of that that this this line that i had for a while about product management is the art of socialization and alignment this was just this like line i had and joke i had about the product management field but the more it, I thought about it and I'd, I'd said it a few times. I realized there's incredible wisdom and nuggets of power in this and something that I can use to write and, and speak and uh, develop. And that's turned into so much more than just those statements about socialization alignment. So my days are pretty consumed with working on the book. And that also I've gotten involved with a really neat group called the School of the Possible. And that's an environment uh, led by Dave Gray, um, who's a really neat consultant uh, with a long history and visual explanations and such. He wants to create a community of possibilitarians around him, people who are following their curiosity and teaching courses in areas they aren't expert in to explore spaces and come up with new, you know, synthesized ideas and such. And so encountering that while I'm writing the book, I'm actually going to end up developing a course and having an interactive experience with students around these topics even before the book's finished. So I'm, that's uh, in terms of like all the activities I'm working on the course, business development and networking, and then, uh, and then turning that into concrete writing uh, as well. So just a little busy? Just a bit. 
Still finding time to drive motorcycles super fast and drum. Yes. <laughs> the motorcycles aren't the fast one for me. I have taken my motorcycle to the track a couple times, but there's, you know, if you don't have a big metal cage around you, it's, it's a little different <laughs> in that environment. So I like, I like riding my motorcycles over challenging terrain or through forests Got and it. smelling the air more so than I like uh, racing them around. But yeah, it, I think so. That's one of the messages um, that really came out for me in thinking about uh, this uncharted journey. I feed my passion in all these different areas. And it's really important to me that I have these outlets that explore different parts of myself. Um, the, the driving and the drumming have these interesting parallels where I've been into high performance driving uh, for uh, 22 years. And it's a mountain that I've climbed. Like I'm, I'm pretty darn good high performance driver, right? I've won awards. I haven't done much racing competition, but I'm fast, I'm good. And so I'm, I'm working on the, the fine skills at the top of the plateau. But drumming is an area where I did not land with the same sort of like native talent, I'd say. And, and so I've had to grind and work and like overcome all these awkwardnesses on the drums. And I'm, I'm like just barely climbing, like at the lower part of the mountain and just starting to go up. But what both of them do is give me this place to learn and explore, find flow states in my body and get outside of, you know, all the intellectualizing and, and whatnot that so much of my work uh, involves. Yeah, I think that's something that often we lose sight of, especially as a leader of a business where you're responsible for the livelihood of others and the um, unsaid sometimes expectations of what success looks like and what you should be doing and you get caught up in mm -hmm. that is that we forget to step back and be our complete selves where things like driving fast cars or, you know, a motorcycle or a bike rider or walk through the forest, um, an outlet such as drumming, which is creative and energetic and physical. So you're getting hashtag all the things going yes. um, at the same time, what that actually does for, uh, for, for us as humans um, in the big right. picture of being human. So all of the facets, all the different pieces. And when we allow ourselves to explore and express ourselves in different ways, away from our core eight, 10, 12 hour day, what you come back with when you come back to your, your desk, be that virtual, be that standing, whatever, wherever it is, what that provides you and the changes and the insights and the, um, epiphanies for lack of a better word that you can get mm -hmm. from that so I think finding mm -hmm. that balance like you have and I'm sure it's not 50 50 and it's there are days where you make yourself do things as we all do but I think that's a really important thing to remember that uh, and I love what you said the feeding the passion of the different areas lets you explore different parts of yourself so it, you're never too old to learn mm -hmm. right you're never too old to start oh. something new it's, it's all practice. It's all, everything's connected. So, so the developments in those areas will enhance uh, your mindset or what I'm calling your heart set. Yeah, love it. So the emotionals, yeah. the emotional states that, that we inhabit, just like our, our mind has these different um, viewpoints. And one of the things I really found, um, you know, your audience, I think, is, is in creative fields. And when you're a creative professional, 
those first five years of working in interaction design and, you know, being on point and consulting and doing that hardcore, you know, every day, I found that my creativity was tapped by work. And I didn't have it available to me in the same way that I'd had previously with, you know, writing poems and painting and, you know, doing these, doing these other um, creative activities that the well was a little bit dry and I had to, to think about, okay, is this an acceptable trade-off for me in my life that this creativity is going to my career? Um, and it was actually at one of those points where I was, was really confronting that challenge that I discovered meditation and yoga and and then that practice, right, the practice of meditation and, and creating the space for the well to refill and then finding these other outlets that were creative in different ways, right? They, I mean, the art of driving is, is actually quite creative for all that it's a technical um, activity. Those, those areas, then like I start, it's like almost like finding new reservoirs of creativity and new places to tap. And then, but then it all comes together and my, my overall reservoir is larger and, and, and can hold more. And then, and then I found my creativity returning in, in these, you know, personal parts of my life, um, as well as continuing to be creative at work. Cause it's like, so like a muscle, you know, got stronger and then there's more there. So yeah, we just, and who knows what that looks like for each of us. You know, my, my personal blend is quite idiosyncratic. <laughs> I, there, there's absolutely, if you were to, you know, plot it out all on a chart or graph from the left brain, right brain, creative, analytical and whatnot, you've, you've got it matched. Like you're, you've got a pretty full circle going between the, the interests that you have. And I love the way you say, you know, in, I don't think people would think of, Typically, you would think of driving a car as a creative experience. It is an analytical one. There are rules. You need to be safe. It is, you know, your your, your the self-protection mode for most, not all, <laughs> kicks into play, right? But being creative, looking at it as problem solving and different ways of doing things and the leaning in and the speed and the ease of the brake and the clutch and the, and the, and the gas and whatnot, it, it really can be quite creative. So I love the way you present, I hadn't really thought about it that way before. So again, looking at things a little bit differently, um, can you can find that creativity uh, to tap into, if, even if your typical creativity is being tapped in your day to day or what you love is. Well, think how creative we have to be as parents, yeah. right? Oh yeah, <laughs> like a mother is one of the most creative creatures on the planet, right? Adapting to these evolving creatures and their extreme you know level of needs and all these different departments and answering that call in all these all these ways um absolutely so much of what we do is is creative and, and creativity is a part of our lives that in, in ways that are kind of become invisible so yeah absolutely parenting is creativity every day no matter how old the kids every are <laughs> yep yep what do they need for me right now how can how can i show up what yeah so, so if you weren't in the experience building space, what would you be doing? What is Liz's alter ego where environment, money, all of that doesn't matter? I feel I've entered this era in a way, and I'm calling it my writing era. I really, I think everyone I went to high school with would have, would have guessed that I'd become a writer. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's like one of these instinctive, inherent parts of myself to communicate in writing and, and verbally that I used in service of other things, but not 
intrinsically for itself, like, you know, writing that novel. I had a novel idea um, uh, way back when, and it was going to be called Fear for Hope. And then Barack Obama's rise and, and like our cultural transformation, I was like, we just lived, you know, exchanging fear for hope. And I don't need to write that novel and, and these things. I, I don't know. I've just resisted being a writer so many points, but I, I think I am a writer. And this is, this is a big part of, of the career of my future. So uh, I don't know if that's the best answer because that's how I almost feel like I'm evolving there right now and I'm, I'm a little bit in it. So I do have another answer if you want something more left field. Oh, gosh, no, no, no. This isn't about uh, a right answer or incorrect. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's what you're feeling. This is all about you. So I, mm-hmm. it's amazing for you that you're living your alter ego, that you have made it yeah. and made room for it in what, what you do, because again, it's one of the things and, you know, particularly women, because we are balancing more than most men, not all. Um, but in terms of family and kids and rearing and career and just different things that we face. So the fact that you have carved it out and made it maybe not even the biggest part of what your job or your day looks like today, and maybe it'll get bigger. And maybe one day that's all you'll be doing, which great for you um, as you live in your loft above your refurbishing furniture shop store, right? (laughs) And a bookstore slash bookstore. There you go. Um, Like the seat that you're, 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 you love the seat that you're sitting and reading that book. That too can be yours. See, there you go. There's your. Yes. Perfect. Thank you, Kathy. Selling itself. Um, Is an amazing place to be. And not many of us have the courage slash opportunity to do so. So kudos to you for, for finding the way in and doing it. Oh, I just get, I get funny chills when you say that because it's so hard. It's so hard to make that call. And I've actually felt the call of this, this artistic part of myself, this writing part of myself quite a lot over the last 12 years. And I would move towards it and then something else would call from the side and I'd turn away from it and back to this, this other thing. Um, I've had to really claw out the space and, and make these statements to the world. Like, that's it. That's it. I am, you know, I just quit my corporate role and I'm going to do do this artist thing and write it. And then two weeks later, a former colleague calls and wants me to consult. I'm like, oh, I could use some income. And, and then this tiny two week thing turns into a year long engagement where I'm doing that and not, not writing, not being an artist. And it's like these endless opportunities for distraction or the more comfortable rails, you know, that we've been riding look, look nice again when we're off in the, you know, stubbly field and trying to find our way through uncharted waters. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's every day is making that decision. Every day making the decision. Well, that might be the answer to my next question, but for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice on whether it's life, career, success, happiness, really anything you'd like to share? Well, this has been a theme through our chat. Do what feeds your soul. And each of us looks different, but the prioritization of our inner life and the, the fostering positive emotional states from whatever, wherever we find them is the juice. Like that's what's going to, to, you know, be the fuel in the motor and, and let these things happen. It's, it's understanding your inside, 
because uh, the external things don't make us happy, right? They're, they're what consume our attention, but our attention is the most precious resource we have. So even as all these other things are necessary and important, try to find that, that outlet, that place, that inner, it's not an outlet, an inlet, <laughs> an inlet to yourself uh, that, that lets you hook into that and, and really give you the fuel for, for the marathon that, that is life and, and the ability to, to detect the passion too, right? Sometimes it's a very quiet murmur, right? And we have to be very still to hear, hear those murmurs that say like, oh, watercolor, right? <laughs> you know, like whatever it is, yoga, <laughs> the nature walk, and, 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 follow, and listen to that little tiny voice that doesn't get a lot of attention. So um, I got a great piece of advice when, when I discovered meditation. Teacher said, any meditation is better than no meditation such a gift, right? Because meditation is one of those things a lot of us hear all these positive things about and we sit down and monkey mind goes crazy and we're like, well, we're really crap at meditation. That's not for us, right? And actually it turns out that is the practice. Monkey mind is everybody's mind and the work is, okay, okay, monkey mind. Oh, maybe there's something a little behind. Oh, that went away. Oh, maybe this, oh, that goes away too. And you start to realize all of this is like interior weather, right? And and the clouds will part and new weather will come in and oh but there's still something underneath that what is that and and so like stilling and so whatever it is just feed your inner life monkey mind that you've just mm. described my every single meditation attempt experience the monkey mind but i love that You're analogy well. interior weather yeah. and the clouds will part because they always do yeah. you just got to wait yeah. it out I like it. All right. Well, guess what I'm doing tonight? Try it again. <laughs> okay. You're doing it right. If you notice monkey mind, that's all I'll say. Yeah. So you talk about some thought leadership that you're doing. You're working on this book. You're doing, where can our audience find you and connect with you? I would love to invite everyone to check out the School of the Possible. It is um, a substack and then a community that Dave Gray is creating. And if you're attracted to the idea of exploring possibilities and learning and growing and teaching on subjects that you might not even be an expert in, uh, School of the Possible is a really great outlet. So there's going to be an open house on March 6th, um, if this is out ahead of that, where um, some of the faculty like myself will be introducing our future courses. So mine is Sustaining Our Souls at Work. Um, Substack's where I'm writing and, and publishing that as well. So it's devise.substack.com is my, is my channel there. So those are probably the two best outlets for um, getting involved on the professional level. Personally, I am an open book and welcome, you know, anyone uh, getting in touch through elizabethbacon.com, uh, LinkedIn, all the social. I actually am off the socials at the moment for the most part, but yeah. yeah. Great. I will make sure to include all that and I will absolutely make sure that our, our, uh, this episode goes live before the 6th so that people can hear about that and get connected with you. Liz, thank you so much for today's conversation. I love your philosophy, philosophy about how feeding your passion in different areas that lets you explore all different parts of yourself will open you up to new experiences and happiness. To my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Liz and hearing about how leaning into opportunities, listening to your heart, and leading with compassion and passion can turn into something absolutely beautiful. 
If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net and listen to some of the other episodes. You can also sign up for our email list and check out the links and resources in our show notes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm.